everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And subscribe to us on YouTube and everywhere else that you listen. Make sure you do that. And tell your friends, because we got a good show. And as always, we talk judging MMA, so make sure you brush up on that scoring criteria. It's a hot topic these days. Once in a while. Yeah. We are we are definitely in uh, the, the full moon phase of that, right? Yep. But uh, yeah, as I as I said before, this is this is a Wednesday edition. Wednesday. We, we delayed it a couple days. Um, it, this is outside the norm. Won't be uh something we expect yeah. to be doing going forward. But you well, know, here and well, there, you know, geez. things happen. You never know. But uh, we decided to postpone this week's show a couple days. Um, in light of some unfortunate news from uh, for from Dan. So Dan, you want to take the yeah? Take the floor uh, here? Unfortunately, my uh. My puppy radar across uh, the Rainbow Bridge. Uh, <laughs> it's a tough time, and that's it, man. It's a tough time, man. So we had to push it back because I, I couldn't watch the rounds through all the tears, and now I'm struggling talking about it now. I've been there. I've been there and, too. Uh, he was the best, and I just hope he's happy. I know. <laughs> real quick story: when he was a puppy, and my grandma lived with us every afternoon when no one else was around. He'd go upstairs, and well, he had a treat buffet every day, and uh, it was it was funny. Uh, my dad made the joke uh, that the buffet is is back in business now, up in heaven. So I get that. Yeah. I get the joke now. You you'd, yeah. you'd said that in your uh, social media post yep. about that. So yeah. he was the best. Right, he was. He was a great dog. Yeah. I, I I enjoyed Radar. I'm I'll, I'm going to think of him every time I come over. Still, he, yeah. he's a good dog. But you know what? We've got some business to take care of a lot of business Mm-mm. this is this was like a, a crazy kind of week to uh for for us to deal with all these rounds here um we got well, three events yeah. three events that's why i mean it has nothing to do with the fact that there was like good or bad ju- actually the judging percentage wise was quite terrific i'll get to that in a little bit but there was that there was like i said three events each of them had a few rounds that we could have considered at least um we also had some crazy refereeing instances over in uh, in Las Vegas for the UFC event, and and then there was a California State Athletic Commission MMA official Zoom call that happened just today, <laughs> Tuesday, the day that we're recording mm-hmm. for Wednesday's show. So because we got delayed a little bit, it actually opened up the opportunity for us to talk about something that doesn't normally happen. Yep. So yeah, it was it was, it was a good thing. I know you didn't get to see it on the uh, call. Family you, outing to the Yankees uh, game, which they won. So they did win. They won three one. Oh, that's right. I did see it, it was Garrett Cole had a good pitching. Garrett Cole pitched great. Good tonight. outing, right? Yeah. Solid performance. Complete game or no seven and a third. Okay. Still good. Good enough. Quality to get start. Yeah. yeah. That's quality start is uh six innings and three runs. If three I'm or mistaken. less runs. Three yeah, or I, less. I think right. I think they should bump it to seven innings. But what? that should be like a like what's what's better than quality? Super quality. Super quality. That's not a word, <laughs> but we're gonna go with it anyway. Super quality starts. Yeah. Seven innings, two runs. That would be a super I would, quality. Start. I would yeah, I two would or like less. That. I think Dave, David Cohn agrees with me. But we're not a baseball podcast because I could talk about this all day. That's true. We're not. <laughs> We should switch over to, again, that California call. I think that's what we yeah. lead with here. And again, you didn't sit on, on it because you were at that game. But I can fill you in on some of the elements. I mean, and these are things that actually I had the opportunity to speak with mm-hmm. uh, Sean Sheehan uh, on his program about the call because he also sat in on it as well. Yeah, I'll, pro- I'll probably listen to, to that after uh, 
we get done here. You listen. You should listen to anything I say. Yeah. Yeah. And that would, I didn't know you. Were, I didn't know you guys were doing that. So that's that, pretty cool. It, it was spontaneous. It yeah. kind of just really came about um, right after, and I was like, "Yeah, I got time. Let's do it." So, but yeah. So I encourage anybody to listen to that. But to hit, hit a couple of highlights, what happened during this call was we watched, um, and it was when I say we, it was me, Sean, Laura Sanko. Uh, Andy, of course, running the call, a couple of people from uh, California State Athletic Commission. And that comprised the 160, 170 people who were on this call. That's a lot. There were a big call, a lot of officials. Just about any judge or ref that you can think of was probably on this call. Mm -hmm. And most of the ones you can't either. Maybe not most, but a bunch of the ones that you couldn't think of. And massive call, a lot of minds understanding the sport. Really great to have that type of uh, population sit in and talk about and listen to and score the rounds that they did. They chose two rounds from Kaikar France versus Amir Albazi, which of course was the big thing two mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, rounds one and four, the two split rounds. We went over those on our program, and you can listen to our thoughts if you go back a couple episodes to episode number 243. But for now... I can sum up by saying, and I can't direct quote anybody. This was this was something that uh, Andy Foster asked of the media in, t- in attendance to not directly quote, but give an overview. What I can tell you is that everybody scored these rounds, right? Mm-hmm. Round one, I'll give you the breakdown percentage-wise of how it was scored. 54% of the people in attendance saw this for Kai Carfrance. 46 saw it for Amir Albazi. Almost an even split down the middle out of 160 people, like I said. Yeah. Um, that, I think, speaks to how close this round truly was, because these are people who actually had to watch five minutes of the round right before they turned their scoring, because it plays again. Everyone was asked to watch it even before that. A bunch of people were already had already done so in their own you know, recreational activity, and all three judges were actually in the call. So we had a lot of familiarity here with this rounds, these rounds, of course. So to go down the middle, split down the middle, I think speaks to the fact that this really truly was an absolutely split round. And the conclusion that more or less Andy Foster came to was that, hey, this is not a robbery. We have rounds two and three went to Albazi. You can make an argument potentially for round two, as I think I can. But nonetheless, Mm -hmm. those rounds went that way. So if we have a third round that could go either way, it's already not a robbery. Totally not a robbery. Round four, Mm -hmm. a little different story. Um, And I was fortunate to be able to hear the perspectives of all three judges on this round. But again, I can't directly quote. So I will have to leave that as is. But what I can say is that, again, we scored this round. Everyone scored this round, turned in their scores in the poll, and it was a 90 to 10 split in favor of Kai Carfrance. Now, does that mean you can't make an argument for Albazi? No. But the fact that we have so many trained minds on this seeing it as a Kai Carfrance round, I think that does speak to the fact that, hey, maybe this round really is one that we should be looking at that way for one reason or another, because that's what everyone else is looking at in that way. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the decision. And again, this is something we've been talking about for two weeks now. So people have had a lot of time to kind of make up their mind yeah. on it as well, right? That makes it a little trickier. But the fact that it has gone that way, whereas the other round did not, seems to speak to that. You know, is it is it a case of, you know, volume versus, you know, impact? Probably, you know. I think Karakara France is definitely more active. But one of the things that I thought was interesting about this round in particular was it kind of spawned a conversation about what significant strikes are <laughs> and aren't. And uh, I would love to hear that. Well, I don't think it's speaking out of turn to say at least Laura Sanko was able to provide a lot of insight into that because she is someone who actually has to work with that data in mm-hmm. her job. 
Right. Um, that I thought was fascinating, and I really hope that I get the chance to speak with her, maybe in a little more detail about that, because I think she probably had, I got the sense she had a lot more she'd love to say, but she <laughs> kind of didn't want to steal the thunder of the whole show, right? Um, but the idea is, essentially, significant strikes are strikes at distance. So a little peppering jab, if it connects, that's a significant strike landed. If it's a, you know, it's a haymaker, that's a significant strike landed, too. There's no differentiation. And and I think when I watched this round, and we talked about this once again on the, on our show, it sort of seemed like a lot of the strikes that Car France is landing are maybe not landing super hard or super flush or super damaging, right? Yeah, that's what I I, I think that was my my reason was because I haven't watched the round again, but it seemed like everything you landed was a jab. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, hey, look, jabs can be punished. You can win. In it. I, I I mentioned this. Bj Penn, Sean Shirk. Perfect example, of and I and I always like to so, highlight GSP against Koscheck. And that, yeah, that's a great that's, example. That's too. a great one because all he did for five twenty five minutes was jab him up and destroy his face. Yeah, nerve damage for like months and years. Yeah, he was messed so. up from that Koscheck. But uh, again, the the point is maybe the conversations are around the wrong thing, and and I think a certain amount of education can go a long way to kind of helping people understand messaging too. I think is a big thing. I think that's something I actually highlighted with uh, with Sean on his show was messaging is, is a key thing here. We need to make sure we're getting the right information in people to be able to talk about it in the best way. And, yeah. and I think that goes a long way. But that was interesting to have that one. We also talked about a couple other rounds, one of which was actually both of these were from the past weekend, and neither of them was a contested round, incidentally. So we wouldn't mm-hmm. have talked about them on our show otherwise. But uh, it one was from UFC. It was Zach Palunga against uh, Modestus Pukaskis round one. And this was an interesting round. Just to kind of briefly sum it up for you, this is a round where Paunga is doing pretty well for, I'd say, a good chunk of the round. He actually lands pretty hard to make make Bukaskis feel it early. But then in the last like minute and a half or so, Bukaskis punishes him several times. Paunga's landing a, uh, getting pounded on a few times hmm. in there. And as a result, we did have a unanimous round for Bukaskis. The judges polled in this in this meeting two out of three. It was 66 or 67%. Two out of three had it for Bukaskis. So yes, there's people can see the argument for Paunga, of course, but it did seem like the, well, it didn't seem like it was. The majority of people saw this as a uh, Bukaskis round. I saw it that way too, to be mm-hmm. you know, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I think this was a round. Round two was, I think, the one that everybody was a little more torn up upon. So it's a little surprising mm-hmm. that round two wasn't the discussion point. We'll talk about round two shortly. Yeah, we will. We we have that yeah. on our on our docket here because that is a contested round. But nonetheless, that was one of the ones we did. And then the final one that we talked about was uh was on Bellator, on the prelims. It was the end of the prelims. Gaji Rabatinov against Peter Boyst. Round two was the one on the plate here. And as I'm watching this round, just to give you anecdotally about what I was watching, this is a round where Boyst really doesn't get to do a whole lot for a good chunk of the round because he's not offering much on the feet, and then it gets taken down. And he gets stuck in an arm triangle at the bo- um on the ground oh. for a little while. And it's starting to trend more toward like a 10-8 type of range, depending on how much you can actually give that weight to the uh, the arm triangle. How do you score that as damage? I don't know. That was a little bit of a debate in the conversation as well, was whether a, a close submission attempt can be, you know, damage mm-hmm. for a 10-8 purposes anymore. Because we do have, let's say, a, a, a definition of a, a 10-8 or at least interpretation of a 10-8 that has slid back. Mm-hmm. And that is... Uh, Left us in a little bit of a, a quandary, right? Yeah. I mean, there's probably still, I'm sure a lot of, in a lot of ways they're getting on the same page, but it seemed like they're moving away from around like this being a 10-8. Nonetheless, Boyce does a little bit at the end of the round, more, more or less on the feet to kind of get it back as he gets out of the arm triangle. Mm-hmm. 
um, to earn the nine. And that was my assessment. They actually asked me on the call. Andy Foster asked me to to get my thoughts on this. I was like, "Oh, you're going to talk to me about this? Wow!" <laughs> <laughs> I was I was kind of not ready, but like I, you know, I was ready to talk yeah. about it. So, um, and that was more or less what I had said. Is mm-hmm. you know, I think he probably earned the nine here, Boyce. But that, yeah, it, you know, it it did spark an interesting okay. ten eight conversation. I mm-hmm. thought that was fascinating too. So, really good call. There was a lot of stuff that honestly had just not able to bring up because if I go, if I do, I know I'm going to say things I'm not supposed to. Yeah. Um. You know, this was part of the agreement to be able to sit on these things. It's just the way it works. And uh, yeah, but it, but it was still fascinating. And I know a lot more than let's say you, the average listener, about why Car France and Albazi was scored the way it was. So hey, if you're a member of the media, talk to Andy Foster, get on the next call, and you'll get to hear something interesting. Yeah, and then don't burn that bridge. Yes. Yeah. We <laughs> we have you know you agree to something you have to yeah stick with that then you know, um real would quick. i like to talk about it yeah but it it is what it is real quick i want to get back to i want to comment yeah. uh would it be better if they were like you know what significant strikes is a stupid term the you know that's not doesn't even get mentioned in the criteria what if we did cumulative and immediate strikes well one suggestion um was made what if we just change it from significant strikes to strikes at distance or you know something oh, else okay. like the the idea is hey what if we can get the messaging changed a little different i mean you know that's for someone else to decide obviously but i think the the point is they recognize hey messaging can be a problem here if we're calling it one thing we're, we're obviously telling people hey this right is significant but why is it significant yeah and i think that's right. something that would would need to be addressed so hopefully maybe things can go you know Laura Sanko deals with these. She must know people who can work with that kind of thing. Maybe, yeah. maybe something can change in in the near future, you know, or the far flung future. Was DC there to argue what a takedown is? No, <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, former fighters in attendance at Laura Sanko. Uh, former fighter Chris Lieben, former fighter, current official. Current official. He was there. Yeah, right. uh, I'm trying to think of who else was there. I mean, like I said, there was like 160 people, so I'm not going to think of everybody. But uh, Frank Trigg was there, current uh, referee as yeah. well uh and officially does uh, does some judging too so yeah there, there was there was a few people who could lean on in cage experience to talk about some of the stuff in there which was fascinating too okay yeah sounds just like can't tell was, you what they said sounds like it was a great call <laughs> it was uh it's unfortunate you were you had to miss out this time but i hope you get on the next one yeah that would be the, the times i were on was was very informative i thought this was particularly even 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 among those i thought it was really great yeah not to rub it in oh thank you eh, <laughs> you'll get the next one yeah but uh, but yeah, that was basically. Do you have anything else you wanted to ask me or say about no, it? I, I mean, think, you think I mean didn't watch it. But... Nothing you can tell me anyway. <laughs> no, not a whole lot. So... <laughs> not a whole lot, unfortunately. This is almost like na 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 na. <laughs> I know something you don't know. It is a little bit, a little bit of that, especially for you, the listener at home. <laughs> but but yeah, I think that we can move on from the CSAC call at least and head over to <laughs> we got a we got a full slate here. We do want to start before we get into the contested rounds with adventures and officiating. The uh, ongoing segment we sometimes go to when hey, there's some adventures in officiating. Both of the uh, <laughs> two, three depends how you want to break this down. Two fights that we're going to talk about were both on uh, the UFC Vegas 75 slate. We're going to start with Dan Argetta and Ronnie Lawrence, a fight that uh, well, it was ruled originally a well not ruled but it was stopped initially as a submission a technical submission by referee keith peterson it was later before we had the official ruling and it was announced as such this way it was determined 
to be a no contest as there was no actual tap. There was no indicator that Ronnie Lawrence wanted out of that submission. Yeah. And it does kind of, uh, you know, it, it left a really bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because, hey, we had Dan Argetta was in a good spot. Ronnie Lawrence didn't wasn't in a spot where he wanted to give up and was told, hey, you gave up. You can see Keith Peterson was visibly upset. He, he was like... The the initial the initial reaction was hey you did this you did this you mm-hmm. can hear him on the on the audio yeah. saying these kind of things but but yeah you could tell probably when he got the chance to see in, in yeah. uh, from different angles first mm-hmm. off that's part of it his different angles because mm-hmm. um, when you see especially in the slow motion replay you can tell even right before it stopped he's alert he's moving his eyes mm-hmm. around in in a yeah. way that is not like you know your eyes are are just there you know he he wasn't glass eyed or something right uh, the legs seemed not stuck but moving in a way that one would when they have control of their faculties Mm -hmm. it was a really unfortunate stoppage and like you said yeah keith peterson probably could tell it didn't didn't go that way at least if i'm reading body language you know kind of i mean it kind of felt like the body acted before the before the mind could process what was going on who keith peterson yeah oh i don't know i don't know kind of feel like it was reacting because i thought he had a decent view of lawrence's face lawrence wants to tap he's ready to go He's thinking about it. He's so, sure moving that hand around, right? You know, he, I don't see a tap, but he is waving his arm like he's Hulk Hogan stuck in the Cobra Clutch. You know, about sure. the, his arm about to drop for the third time to lose, but then he hulks up. Yeah. Uh, it's I don't understand why he grabbed. I mean, it was Kevin McDonald that told us he doesn't like to touch fighters, right? Mm-hmm. So he grab he grabs the arm. I, I don't know because I because he had such a he had different options than to check an arm, right? It seemed like he had he had a good view of the face and like you said, the legs and every he seemed he seemed there. He wasn't out. Like, why check the arm? I don't know sure. if you needed if that was needed. Um, but also another point I want to make. Yeah, I never understood in an actual competition setting preparing to tap, and everyone does it. Oh, you're right, absolutely. It has to be a reaction from being in the training room. Like, okay, I know the sub is there. You got me, but you got to get it, and then I will tap for you. Like, I'll, I'll acknowledge it. Like, once you apply the finishing portion of it, like I know you got me, but you're just a little bit you need a little bit more like a little I'm, bit of a bad training habit yeah that's kinda. it's like it's like a bad training i yeah. guess it's hard to turn off because I, I do it in the training room um but you're not but going it, into competition it's, it's <laughs> right but in a competition setting you would think you you know you that wouldn't i guess it translates uh, what you do in the room translates what you i do think that's what it is yeah so, i mean if you train it over and over again you get you well not that these people are hopefully getting submitted over and over again but <laughs> At least not at this stage. Well, I mean, at least getting stuck in them. Stuck in them is one yeah, thing. Sure. But, but when you're stuck in them, you still be practicing how to get out of them. Yeah. Not practicing how to tap. <laughs> like, so that's another thing. Like, you're acknowledging you got me because I'm ready to give up. Sure. And it's weird. It is. But but having said that, I think it, it still really comes back to Keith Peterson, unfortunately, you know, who I, yeah, I still think mistake. I still think isn't a bad official, to be perfectly honest, but. And why does it always? This is, this is the worst place it could have happened because well, it happened while Dominic Cruz was in I, the building. I was just about to say this. He's always. It's just a coincidence now that he's always on for any anything that he can criticize Chris Keith Peterson for. I was legitimately stunned. I was like sitting there waiting for Dom to chime in, and he didn't say anything for a little while. To be to to, to I just couldn't believe that he eventually did. Of course, he found his voice. Well, he couldn't help himself. Yeah, no, yeah. when you know Dominic Cruz is not going to miss an opportunity to stomp on someone's grave. <laughs> Let's face it, but um, that was Felder, that was unfortunate. In early in live, before they saw the replay, Felder was like, "I don't know. It looked like he was going." So Felder, I think, is is a reasonable guy in the sense that, and he'll he says this all the time. He's mm-hmm. like, "Man, I wouldn't want that job." He gets it. He gets that it's a hard job. 
he gets you know? it. And that's like, really, all you have to do is have the humility to know that, man, that's tough. Yeah. Because I think we do. You know, we'll call stuff out. But at the end of the day, both of us do understand that this is a job that, at least especially me, I don't want it. I don't want a referee, especially. Um, yeah, the I thing don't is, really I... want to judge. I, I, you know, I think I understand judging well, and I want to understand it even better. I would, I would love the chance to shadow judge in real in person sometime mm-hmm. to get that experience to really firsthand understand it. But having said that, I'm not really interested in pursuing that that path. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the media, and I think that's where my place is. Hey, they up the pay. <laughs> oh yeah sure but <laughs> you have a leg up on some people man three three hundred dollars so... a pop isn't isn't necessarily getting me to give up my friday night 300 every single like one 300 times call yeah 300 times it is very high uh <laughs> <laughs> but but uh unfortunately yes we did have that bad situation i i would hope and it, unfortunately we had early stoppages like this before it was a few weeks ago with uh i believe it was jacob montalvo right had kind of an yeah. early situation too. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's just it could just be a coincidence, truly. But I think that was a little different of a situation. Is, yes, yes, but you never like to see these fights stopped early, right? And now we've seen it a couple times, and it's fresh in people's minds, and you know all that kind of thing. So hopefully, this is at least a warning for other officials: uh, be more careful. You know, just mm-hmm. just you know try to go through the evaluations in you know talk to other officials don't listen to us we're not the ones who got your solutions but talk to other officials see see what they tell you you know yeah and i'm sure they are you know i think a lot of people have anyone in martial arts typically has at least some degree of humility typically some yeah. some degree yeah. <laughs> even if they don't show it, right um that's all we really had to say about that one but the the, the next one actually has even more to talk about because we got two elements of this here right carlos hernandez getting the win over dennis bondar this was it went down as a technical decision, but even before we get to this, to the reason why we got there, at the end of round two, we had an illegal knee, blatantly illegal knee, delivered by uh, Bondor, Bondar, excuse me, right before the end of the round to a clearly on his knees, no questions about it, not playing the game. Carlos Hernandez eats a knee. It was a good solid knee. He took it well. It wasn't like he was, you know, playing it up yeah, or he... hurt or anything like that. But one of the more blatant illegal knees that you're gonna find. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I mean, they they said Herb Dean was the review review official for that one, and and the main official, by the way, was Jared and Vallel. Jared Vallel was the main, and they said in the replay that it it glanced off the shoulder first and redirected to the head, which I don't see in the replay. Yeah, I don't see that either. Um, that's not what I see. I think it also doesn't really matter. Yeah, I guess, I suppose it doesn't. Um, but yeah, I think you got to take a point there. Like, I, obviously, the damage probably isn't high enough for the point. It's more the. Uh... What the intent, the intent. Or, or the you know the it, he intended to throw a knee when Carlos Hernandez's knees were down whether whether he knew they were or not he threw them in that situation it was reckless and that's part of the problem yeah, it's it's, it's, foul. it's weird that it's like the word intent because when you think of intent a, a knee to a down opponent you intended to do that it kind of comes off as the fighter's dirty but right. it, it's but it's just bad wording I think. There should be something else we could use. There's, I believe that's a thought that we had um, when we had spoken to Kevin McDonald mm-hmm. years ago. He also had kind of shared that it's not necessarily yeah. like no one's they're not generally trying to throw the illegal knee. It's that, hey, they threw a knee in a bad situation, but they meant there's to do no it. malice. Behind, yeah, 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 I guess. But, 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 but they are fighting. So they are trying to be a little malicious. I mean, I you know, it's just sport. It's, <laughs> it's, sport. it's not Mike Tyson biting Evander Holyfield's ear. It's not that. I mean, that was that was he was just hungry. Oh, that's true. <laughs> 
But I think yeah, he sells gummies now in shape of Evander Holyfield's ears. I, I believe he does actually. <laughs> Him and Evander apparently yeah, famous. They get yeah. along famously, and I, I had heard that. Holyfield like forgave him in the locker room. Like he had mentally moved on from him. He's like, it's okay. And like people on his team are like, no, yeah. what? He's a, he's, a, he's a he's a very faithful man. I I, I believe. Uh, diff- and I think that's what he's it, different than you and me. Yeah. Don't let him fight Vitor Belfort again. Um, <laughs> that's the end of that. Was but, that TRT Vitor? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, it was also like fifty-seven-year-old Evander yeah. Holyfield. So yeah. that in itself was a problem. Yeah. But anyway. Neither here nor there. Back to this particular fight here. So, yes, Jaron Vallel opted between the round because he had time to kind of decide this. He decided not to take a point at the end of that round, going into the third round. Uh, Jaron Vallel was one of our ABC instructors in the referee mm-hmm. course. Right. I, I, I need to preface that by saying we learned a lot of what we understand about refereeing from Jaron Vallel. So yeah. it's not necessarily my place to say, hey, you're doing the job wrong. But... Based on what I had learned and what I've understood from talking to officials and everything like that, it sure seems like you would want to take a point in that scenario. It is up to the referee. It's always the sole arbiter, right? And he can use discretion. There was not a whole lot of true lingering damage that I think anyone would agree with. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, you can see it. But man, just for the blatancy of it, I feel like that's the point. You got to take a point. I think think definitely got to take a point there. Uh, I wanted to say there was a, a part... Right after this knee happened, he called time immediately, and there was like two seconds left when he called time. Yes, that's and he was true. very adamant, saying, "I called it before the bell. I called it before the bell. Round, round's not over." Then all of a sudden, like, you know, and it's only two seconds left. Just, <laughs> just go to your corners. Round's <laughs> yeah, over. Yeah. So I didn't understand that. There's some uh, weird stuff. I mean, honestly, we've seen it before in fights. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just things go the way they go. <laughs> so. It's a weird sport, right? Yeah. In that sense, um, I, I would have liked to seen the point taken. However, this was also taking place in a fight that. It was generally going in the direction of Carlos Hernandez. We don't know this at this point, but he is up two rounds to nut on two cards and it's split another. So, hey, we're going to be hearing about this fight again in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But round three, right at the very end, too, near the end of this round, the final round, we have another situation that comes up. This was strange with the clash of heads. It was. So what happened was it was a it was a takedown. It was a nice slam. Nice slam. Slamming into the ground, uh, Hernandez on Dennis Bondar. Their heads are so close together that as Bondar's head, back of his head, slams into the ground, it bounces back up as Hernandez is following him down, and they do clash heads. Mm-hmm. You can see Hernandez lands like right above the right eyebrow or like right around the eyebrow of Bondar. And Bondar's basically out right now. And then he eats like four or five terrible elbows. Yeah. And it was just like, man, and it was like, that's another thing. It was like, man, could Jaron have stepped in even even sooner on that? I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, he is starting to talk about like immediately you hear Jaron say he wants the replay because he wants right. to see if the heads had clashed. Now, you have the narrative going on in the commentary like, oh, man, what are we doing about this? It was a slam. You know, these things happen. What's he supposed to do? It's like, well. The heads aren't supposed to clash. Like, that's just kind of the way it works. Like, you can slam the back of the head into the ground. That's not the problem. That's kind of just part of it sometimes. But And you can pile drive them as long as they have you stuck in a submission. Right, right, right. But that's <laughs> obviously we're not that's neither here nor there for this scenario. But but you're you're looking at this and saying, Well, most slams don't involve my head hitting your head. Apparently it happens a lot in wrestling rooms. Sure. According to Carlos Hernandez and commentary. I mean, that's fine, so. but also this is mixed martial arts and there's a rule against your head hitting. Right. So that's the way it works. That's why we went to the cards. So I got no issue with, with 
you know, calling the clash of heads and then making it a taking away the t- what potential would have been a TK or a KO. My issue is if you know you're going to ask for the replay already, why why let them why let them smash them with five elbows before you you stop there? That's that a little weird. weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause if you if you know if you think there's a clash of heads that you want to see the replay for. I mean, is it a finishing sequence? I don't really, you know, that's, refereeing was difficult. There was a lot of information to, to retain. This was, course. yeah, that's what I'm saying. The refereeing especially seems like the harder job and the more stressful job and the more dangerous job because realistically you, you've got their safety in your hands. If I'm sitting there just figuring out who won the round, it's like, yeah, maybe there's pressure to get the right person. But man, you know, if I pick the wrong guy or I pick the right guy, they're not suffering any more damage because of it. Right. Yeah. Or yeah, being prevented was, from doing more of their job because of it either. It was just a strange, and this you know this also goes back to why 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 the criteria is written so uh, vaguely vague, yeah. yeah. Because crazy stuff like this, how do you how do you how do you throw this in there without having a fifty page document? Sure, maybe longer. I I mean I would make the case that it's probably still just a little too vague. Yeah, I know it can, can be tightened. I up. think we can yeah. tighten it better than we do, but it also yeah. You're absolutely right. I've I've come to accept that there is a certain amount of you can't have every scenario outlined mm-hmm. in mixed martial arts scoring be, or or in the rules or anything. Who would even remember them all? Yeah, I mean, we have a billion rules. The the rule book in other sports is massive, of course, and it doesn't necessarily need to be that big. But it would be nice if it was. Let's say more scenarios were spelled out a little more clearly and mm-hmm. more more um, especially in the scoring. Can we can we kind of just better outline what certain things mean? You know, mm-hmm. I think I think we made progress in the last time. I don't think anyone is pushing for a bigger uh, overhaul of the the language in the scoring criteria. But mm-hmm. I would certainly like to see it. I have many thoughts. And I think we talked about potentially doing a show on that. Yes. Sheehan wants in. So whenever yeah, we do, right. we got we to gotta get Sean in. That'd we'll be a great Shawnee conversation. On the show. That'll be fun. I, I think I think that will be a really, really great conversation whenever we do get around to that. But that's for another day. We should also point out that, that during this, uh, you know, final thoughts here, at least for me on Hernandez and Bondar, while we're trying to figure out what's going on, there's a lot of hand wringing by the commentary team of, oh man, what are they going to do? You don't want, you don't want to make it a no contest, right? Yeah. It's like, but guys, it's the third round. In the third round, you go to the cards. It was never going to be a no contest. It was never going to be a no contest. Eventually, they did get, you know, they they cited Mark Ratner, mm-hmm. uh, who's also on the call, by the way. He was on that CSAC call. Um, he was able to provide the information that yes, if this is ruled to be an illegal blow that ends the fight. They will go to the cards because they've had four plus minutes to score right. round five. It started at all, so that's why they would do it. Um, but they actually were able to very easily uh, evaluate what happened mm-hmm. in this round. But that's on the the commentators need to know that. That's like that's a basic rule. Like when when it's the third round and there's a foul, what's supposed to happen? I have heard that uh, it, it might have actually been on. Aaron Bronstetter's conversation with Mike Mazzulli, if I'm if I'm thinking correctly, because I, I remember hearing this anecdote, mm-hmm. and I think it was from that. Uh, and if it wasn't, go listen to that anyway, because Aaron did a great job on on his little series mm-hmm. about officiating. But I want to say that he had asked a bunch of fighters if they knew what happened in such a scenario, and only one knew it. Do you know who it was, or do you remember who it was? Aljo? Gegard Mousasi. Well, okay. That makes sense. I mean... <laughs> Guy's been around for 100 years. He's been around so. a long time. He's been he's been in all different scoring formats and different countries and different promotions. He's been all over the place, right? From Pride to to Strike Force to UFC to Bellator, all over. Um, and I know I'm missing things in there. Dream everything. Um, 
but yeah, so most fighters don't seem to know. The commentators really ought to know this rule. It's it's something they're we're seeing. We see it. It does happen. Mm-hmm. And they just don't retain it from time to time. You got to remember this, guys. We need it. The, the the people at home need to understand. They're relying on you. Anik would have known. I think Anik would have so, known. I believe it. Uh, John Gooden would have known. And Gooden would have known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gooden's Gooden's very good. Yeah. <laughs> I think Laura Sanko would have known too. Well, she's yeah, taking she, the yeah. courses. She, she she's probably, taking the yeah. courses. Uh, before we move on, I want if there's any judge listening. Judges what, don't listen to the show. Sorry. So if. It's called the tech. It, it's ruled a technical decision. Do you weigh due to the illegal head clash? Do you weigh those elbows? Um, since it's being stopped because of a head clash, do those elbows count as strikes that you are scoring? That's a weird question. That's not a bad question. So, I, uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, in theory, they would count because they're not the illegal blow. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they happened, they come... and and the fight wasn't stopped before them. So in theory, okay. that should. Ha- I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm talking out yeah. the answer and guessing, but yeah, that would be interesting to know. I hope I hope we do hear from an official. I I I, I the whole the whole situation of allowing you know if you know there's a clash of heads and you know you're going to ask for a replay, why continue it? Why why not just step in right away? That's probably my biggest question. What what the what the pre- uh, procedure for that is? Essentially, what we had though was was a lot of weird officiating going on in. Las Vegas, and uh, I think we covered that probably thoroughly enough, right? Mm-hmm. Let's move on uh, real quick before contested rounds. Let's touch upon the unanimity report yes. of the rounds. from. And <laughs> I goodness. know what that word means. Unanimity. I didn't even have to look that one up. That's right. That's right. We talk about unanimous, so I would think so, yep. my friend. Uh, I've also used that on this show. It's I just think. a anyway. different, different version of the that's, word. That's right. That's right. You are good, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, Las Vegas. We had 19 out of 24 rounds scored unanimously for a 79.2% rate. No 8-9 splits here, though. Bellator 297, that was over in Chicago. 30 out of 34. Yes, 34 unanimous rounds. 88.2%, and one of them being an 8-9 split. So only three times out of 34 rounds did the judges disagree on the round winner. That's that's a really impressive rate. Um, PFL. PFL 5 over in Georgia, 12 out of 16, 75%, lower volume, a lot of finishes, fortunately. Heavyweights. Heavyweights. Lower level heavyweight. Women's uh, featherweight and as well. Featherweight. We had a lot of finishes there. Women's featherweight can go either way. <laughs> uh, so can heavyweight, realistically. Um, but I it, was looking forward to lucky. that original topic, but yeah. <laughs> Forget. Yeah, I will get rid of those too. See ya. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. Dan is alluding to we we had we had cut a few things we were going to talk about if it was the other day. One of which was if you could get rid of uh you know a division of Bellator and replace it with somebody else. PFL yes. will get rid of PFL. PFL will get PFL rid of division. <laughs> what what would you put in there? What would you want to add? Just just while I'm thinking of it. Uh they don't go below thirty. They don't go. They don't, below, they don't so have below forty five. Add thirty five and twenty five. Okay, I'd be down for that. You know what I would do? What? I would get rid of welterweight oh, and add yeah. sixty-five and seventy-five. PFL is. The I mean, place I also to want to get rid of other ones. I would. I would change a lot of things. But <laughs> P- PFL is the spot to to, to try that. They totally should because so. it. Does, they don't need a champion year to year. It's the same. Mm-hmm. It, they just start anew. Yeah, I would love to do that. If if I was running PFL, if they hire me, and, and I'm sure they will, I'm sure they're going to hear this and say we we should probably hire him to be the CEO of PFL. Um, that's what I would do. And I bring me along. Say that. Yeah, you can be. I don't know. What are you going to do? I just want a no-show job. Okay, that's fine. Just pay me. Yeah, now we can do that. Like a yeah, like a consultant. <laughs> no eight nine splits on this one, by the way. You can be part of the matchmaking. Oh, I love that. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that's would, that's a okay. real job. You would yeah. you would have right. fun with that one. Anyway, uh, the overall, by the way, just to give you a, a an idea of all of these rounds together, sixty one out of seventy four 
rounds were unanimous for an 82.4% rate. That is a massive, massive win for judging as far as the numbers for a particular weekend. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean there weren't rounds in there that were like, hey, maybe, I don't know. But nonetheless, you want to be in this range. If four out of five rounds are all seen the same way by all three judges, you got to be happy about that as, as an official, I would think. Especially, again, this was a high-volume weekend. 74 rounds. Yeah. Us MMA fans had to watch a lot, and a lot of this was concurrent because Bellator and PFL went on at the same time. Yeah, I did I watch, I watched, I watched Bellator main card live. I had Bellator on my TV and PFL on my phone. Nice. That was, and working uh, on my pages for work, which <laughs> gave my uh, attention deficit hyperactivity a lot of uh, a lot of fits. <laughs> that was tough. Uh, one more order of business. Well, I guess two, we could call it. I want to touch upon two officials who worked both Bellator and PFL on consecutive nights because I thought this was really impressive. Sal D'Amato, who came under a little bit fire for a round that we're going to talk about just in a moment. He scored 40 rounds between these two events. 40. Himself. Turned in scores for all these. That doesn't include the ones he sat on and didn't have to score because there was a finish or whatever, right? 40 rounds. Only once was he the outjudge. 39 out of 40. That is a 2.5% descent rate. That is amazing. Yeah, that's that's, that's incredible. He's in line with his peers. He's in line with his peers almost all of the time, or at least one of them. He's got yeah. someone who sees it his way. That, as an official, I think is something that they all strive for: is to at least, hey, if we're, are we on the same page? Good. I think we're doing the job yeah. right. They know? would they would love for a day where there's zero split decisions ever. So would you? Oh, so would I? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I would love. That. You keep waiting for that show where we have nothing wa- to talk about. That perfect show. That perfect show. <laughs> <laughs> How about an imperfect show where every round is out? I don't wish that upon the officials, but man, that'd be something. It better be a super card. <laughs> how about how about it's like a uh, like a, like a five fight card? So it's really cross short. cross promotion between three different promotions <laughs> with just the best guys, and I'll be psyched for that. Uh, and and then the other official I wanted to highlight again, Derek Cleary, also worked both of these cards and fewer rounds, but he was twenty three for twenty three. Somebody saw it his way. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect day. Perfect weekend. So great job by Derek Cleary on that one. Absolutely stunning. Um, I think we had some really good officiating. Having said that, let's go into the contested rounds. We're going to talk about how they couldn't agree. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Starting with UFC uh, and in the main event, which, you know, really amazing performance by Jared Kennedy. We didn't even get to really talk about it, but I, he really I didn't see this fight developing the way it did. I didn't see it being entertaining. I didn't see it being super fun, <laughs> to be fairly honest. I think it was capable of having, you know, a at least a little bit of action, but realistically, I just didn't see it that way. These you know, fights with especially Marvin Vittori don't always end up being a barn burner. And this one, man, I mean, it wasn't back and forth, but it was a really great fight. And Kennedy looked fantastic. He, I believe he set the record for most he did for significant weeks. strikes. It was basically above 145. Yeah. I think he oh, has really? the record All for them. anyone above 145. It's basically Max Holloway wow. is most of them. Okay. I think there might be. A, oh, and then there was a. Someone at 135. I'm trying to think of who it was, and it, the name is escaping me. Is that yeah. O'Malley versus uh, Chris, Chris Matino? No, no, no. It was a five-round fight. Oh, okay. It was a five-round fight. I can't remember what it was. But nonetheless, yeah, he has the most significant strikes landed in a, fi- in a fight above featherweight, okay. which is really amazing. Round four. And I, I also want to point out, they the judges were unanimous on a 10-8 in round two for Cannoneer after giving the first round of a Tory. Mm-hmm. And... I think that was really great. I think we should call out the good judging there when we see it. Mm-hmm. The fact that this was scored accurately as a 10-8 because yeah. it didn't necessarily have to be, but I think it totally was. And 
the well, fact we're that talk about it. Yeah. all three judges, Mike Bell, yeah. Ben Cartledge, and Sal D'Amato, had the 10-8 there. So I think that's really great. They yeah. did disagree on one round, and that was round four. So mm-hmm. let's talk about round four. Yeah, it seems like Canahair's shots are landing stronger, more impactful, snapping the head of a Tory back. Vittori does have some decent stretches of offense. I just don't think it's enough. Towards the end of the round, Vittori starts to land some pretty good shots and a nice head kick partially blocked. Had a good body kick early. Uh, decent knee up the middle. I do think scoring it for Vittori is a, a, a bit of a stretch because I think Canonor De- definitely had the better round. But I can kind of see how you get there if you factor in that Herb Dean seemed to always be in Sal D'Amato's way. And I don't want to make ex- <laughs> I don't want to make excuses, but every time the camera is positioned that that you can see Sal, he's he's swaying back and forth trying to get around Herb Dean, and uh, it's possible he's missing some of these in in these when he's trying to, you know to see. Uh, by the way, uh, I got it for Cannonier ten nine. I also had it for Cannonier ten nine, and and to be perfectly honest, and I don't really f- find myself strongly disagreeing with a Sal D'Amato round very often, even the ones where people go crazy on him, right? Which they do from mm-hmm. time to time. I think I can always end up seeing it as, as a much closer round than other people can. I I didn't see it this time. I, I thought this was absolutely a Cannoneer round. I think the difference here is that the impact off of mm-hmm. Cannoneer strikes is just so much more visibly greater. Mm-hmm. That The reactions from Vittori are significantly more noteworthy. And yeah, I mean, Vittori, I think you could probably classify this as his best round outside of round one that he won mm-hmm. is 100%. He actually does win the volume on those strikes at distance. Let's call them, mm-hmm. let's always call them strikes at distance from now on. Okay. We're going to replace that. We're never, I don't want to use significant strikes on the show ever again. How about that? Can we, I, ma- can we mandate that I'll now? I'll do my best. All right. We're going to work that. We'll work toward that. We strive, right? Throw a flag on the play if I do. All right. We can do that. It's fine. Right. I'll bring my flag from home. I got I actually got on the guy penalty flag. Nice. Um, <laughs> uh, it was like a fake one from DirecTV. But anyway, um, I, I think I think this is a competitive round. He he does, like I said, win the volume. It's like 37 to 32. It's it's close. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, There's a lot going on in this round, for sure. It's an active round, indicative of a fun fight, I think. But especially later on in the round, Cannoneer really takes over. Mm-hmm. And I think he puts a stamp on this round in such a way that I, I think reasonably this should be a cannoneer round. Uh, I would even say clearly. Okay. Yeah. You know? So uh, on this one, I do have to disagree with Sal D'Amato. But like I said, one out of 40. Can I can I remind people? One out of 40. This was the second to last round yeah, of the whole weekend. Yeah, this 39th round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which brings up another. It does bring up the other conversation yeah, of, but... hey, you know, should ju- should officials be? And, and I had this conversation on, on Twitter with uh, with our guy Cody Merrow, um, who works on the Anakin Florian podcast. But he brought up the idea that, hey, maybe sh- should officials really be working, you know, back to back like that kind of thing? And, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. I, I'm not necessarily in love with it. If commissions feel like it's the thing to do, that's fine. California doesn't want that anymore unless they're traveling from, let's say, Vegas to California. I mm-hmm. tend to think Andy Foster has the right idea of that, but unless other yeah, commissions pick it up, that's it's going to happen. I mean, I also officials wanna... are not going to miss out on opportunities if they can. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to deprive anyone of work if I, if they can do it. You know, I don't either. Do it, so I don't either, Dan. But also, you know. It's an opportunity for other officials to get opportunities too, and I I, oh, yeah, I, I see it as like I, I agree. I see both sides of that coin, but you also know what I mean? also raise that price, and they maybe they don't, won't feel the need to have to take two two. Well, gigs, certainly, so. I mean, maybe maybe not, but if they start raising the price, you get more bodies in there that hey might actually be really good at it. it yeah. Sometimes 
more people that believe want to it or not through. people yeah. don't want to do a job they're not paid well enough for you know and to get criticized left and right oh yeah i mean this is thank it's the most thankless job in, yeah. almost in the world <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's not but it, it kind of it's, it's it certainly would probably make a list i think probably in the top 100 somewhere right? nice for sure. nobody nobody says anything good about I use that right, right we do word, that? Right? did i use that word right which one most, most scrutinized. Yes, you did. There we go. Good job. Getting good. I'm I'm teaching you well. You're gonna do well in these SATs. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we both disagreed uh with Judge D'Amato here. We were in step with Mike Bell and Ben Cartledge. Having said that, everyone ended up with the right winner here too. So it's one of those fights that's like if you're getting mad, mad, mad about this, like like you want the right guy, but man, we got the right winner. <laughs> it's at minus five and a half point differential oh is that what it is <laughs> i, oh, I have on no the, idea on the betting is yeah, that how it goes? i got no idea i don't know it wouldn't matter anyway because it was still four points yeah with no finish That's yeah right. or yeah. three and a half or whatever they yeah. do right <laughs> I, I, I was learning more about this uh yeah. about all the different options on on uh on DraftKings. i guess it is right yeah, yeah. I, I don't bet point spread yeah <laughs> <laughs> strange i don't know who came up with that one what is it if it's over five and a half that means a finish over over five and a half means you got a ten eight in there somewhere, so you won fifty to forty four. Or or someone finishes right. Is or, that how it works? Or any finish. Okay, All would right. would cover the spread. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, we're not a betting show. Let's move back to <laughs> yeah. to the scoring, right? And we'll go to another fight we already talked about, which was Modeskus Bukaskis again got the win over Zach Paunga twenty nine twenty eight twice and a thirty twenty seven. Oh, by the way, I don't think I mentioned, but it was forty nine forty five twice and forty eight forty six. That was the Cannoneer Vittori score. Mm-hmm. So that, that again, that's why we still have uh, Damato's card had Cannoneer winning by two points. Um, mm-hmm. We're we're not in danger of getting the wrong guy. Anyway, Bukowskis Pounga. We talked about round one. Round two is the actual contested round here. So what's going on? I mean, I think this is a pretty clear round. A uh, couple shots that Bukowskis are good. They're landing, you know, including a head kick, but. Pauga nearly drops him and blasts him pretty good a few times. I think I think he's clearly landing the heavier shots. I think this is a clear round for Pauga. I'm kind of a little, little bit shocked that we are talking about this round. Yeah, um, I, look, I said the same thing about to myself about Cannoneer and and uh, and Vittori too. So I think this is this is lumped into that same conversation for sure. I mean, obviously it is, but I think yeah, it's it's another case where I feel like the winner should have presented itself pretty clearly here, and that being Pauga instead of Bukowskis. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I don't know where I would rank it in terms of A or B, whether it's the the first round we talked about or this one. But yeah, either way, I do think this is certainly a case where we should have had a different round winner than uh, Anthony Maness had. Uh, he scored it for Bukowskis. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Judges D'Amato and Derek Cleary. Again, those those overworked judges who work in two events, I think, got it right here. Yeah. Should we uh, should we add these two to the revisit list? Or? I think so. Yeah. They have, they have yeah. to go on the list. Okay. 100%. We'll add them. Yep. Um. I don't really have much more to say other than a reminder that, unfortunately, Anthony Maness continues to find himself at the very bottom of the uh, the data that I track in terms mm. of, of Vegas-based officials, especially, who are in step with their peers. He is out of step with them. I don't have an updated data uh, point here, but it's somewhere around 14%. That's, that's significantly higher than what we have uh, from other judges it's they're usually more like five six percent maybe even better so we we're not seeing the same kind of agreement i guess from anthony manis than his peers it's not always like this i think this is one of the few ones that i look at from a manis round and i say i don't really see it mm-hmm. but it's there is a distinct difference in the way he's getting in step with his peers than others i would like i hope he's able to uh cor- course correct but man 
It's a competitive mm-hmm. field there. I don't know what's going to happen, right? I have nothing to do with those decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, not, it's not to do with me. But anyway, we do have three more rounds in Vegas to talk about. One of them, Nicholas Dalby, who got the win over Muslim Salikov, 30-27 twice, and a 29-28. So we're only talking about round one here being a split. What happened? Yeah, both were exchanging leg kicks. It appears to me Salikovs are, are more impactful. As the round goes on, it seems like Salikov is kind of cruising a bit, you know, landing good to the head and body, blocking the returns. And then Dalby cracks him with a head kick, dropping him. But Salkov gets up pretty pretty quickly and you know, immediately gets a takedown uh, and then just clinches to kind of ride out the round. That head kick makes it very close. But I do think Salkov had built up a pretty decent lead. Um, and I don't think he was that hurt. Uh, Dalby wasn't really able to capitalize on it. Uh, so I'm on Salkov 10-9. But that was a big moment. So I, I also, uh, or I actually had Dalby. Okay. In this case, you didn't put your scores on here, so now I'll throw oh, it up. My bad. That's all right. That's <laughs> all right. Um, we'll we'll get through this together. Yeah, I I actually had it for Dalby. Okay. I I think the general. Uh, I sh- I should also say I strained over this one. Okay. I like I sat there for like a, a lot longer than I think a judge really would ought to sit there and make their decision. So mm-hmm. I think if I was sitting in the chair, man, I'm not saying I would have panicked or something like that, but it, but I feel like people would have been like, yo, you're going to put a number down, <laughs> maybe other officials <laughs> or something like that. And uh, but but yeah, I, I agonize over it because it's like, man, what do you do with that? Like th- there's a high damage point, but it's not it, it does that make up for everything that Salikov did throughout that round. I don't know. I did side with the higher impact. So that's that's really where it went. OK, but, so yeah, man, so so tough. So I was watching the round and I was like, am I watching the right round? In right, this right, fight? right. Because it feels pretty clear to me it's Salkov. And then you have that moment. And then I'm like, oh, okay, that's why. <laughs> now I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. So, so yeah, I, I saw it uh, in the majority with Derek Cleary and Sal D'Amato. Those overworked judges working two mm-hmm. events. And uh, you saw it like Mike Belt did. But, it, man, I, I'm telling you, I could have gone that way, too. I totally could have. Almost a couch side override for uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Bell. Didn't go that way. Nothing's coming in the mail. <laughs> At least for this one. I tried, Mike. <laughs> tried, tried. Um, let's go ahead back over to uh, Hernandez and Bondar once again. So this was, like I said, a technical decision. Two 30-27s and a 29-28. Feasibly could have been a 30-26, potentially, because of the point that could have been taken or not. Neither here nor there. Let's talk about the actual scoring in the only round we hadn't already talked about, round one. Yeah, you know what? I, I, gotta say, I really enjoyed this round, and I don't know why. And I... This was just because it was a fun fight. This was just a fun, fun, fun round for me. Uh, very close. Good striking from both guys. Anyway, I think Hernandez is landing a bit more and a bit cleaner. But Bondar, he's landing maybe a bit harder, just not as much. And his attacks are more varied, so he's not, you know, he's, he's to the legs, he's to the body, he's to the head. Uh, very close. I think you got a good case to be made for each, but I'm going with Hernandez 10-9. I also had it Hernandez, but yeah, super close. This isn't a round that I, I'm going to wring my hands over too, too much. I, I think you can easily make that case mm-hmm. for Bondar, as I'm sure Junichiro Camillo did. We saw it with uh, Ben Cartledge and again, Anthony Manis. So but yeah. we, see, we don't see everything opposite yeah. of uh, of Tony over there. I don't and, know if it goes and when by I, Tony. And but... when I say Bondar's landing a bit harder, you know, I understand you're supposed to score the impact more medium impact heavier it's just i don't think there's that big of a difference there's so, a balance that's it, so, it's not just okay who landed the heavier strike like that's not yeah. how it goes it, there's obviously degrees to it which we talk about every week but yeah it can be tricky right like right. just even going all the way back to the carafron salbazi round four i can understand why somebody could watch that round and say hey those few strikes that we're seeing connect from albazi are better mm-hmm. they just are 
they're more meaningful. They're getting closer to trying to end the fight. I I get it. I didn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. But we spoke about this on the show. Yep. We spoke about this on this episode. I, I don't think it's that crazy to go that way. Yeah. And again, when it comes down to it, it's just where the where's the balance between impact and volume? Right. You but have I, to evaluate that every round. And that's why you can't spell that out in particular exactly in the criteria. I think that's always going to exist. Mm-hmm. But I just want to point out that I, I, I'm not saying Hernandez's shots weren't hard. Sure. So they just like if I had a score, maybe maybe Hernandez was a six, maybe uh, Bondar was like a seven. Okay. When I say a bit hard, I, I'm not. Those aren't the exact. That's just an example. Like a five and a half, or like yeah, a, like a some, seven point yeah. two eight. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Gotcha. Always use the decimals. Always, always go to the hundredths whenever you can, especially when you ever see twenty one. The movie. Yeah. A uh, long point. time ago. Yeah. And they're the, the two the two kids are are you know checking out girls in the bar. Yeah. And they're rating them, and the one guy goes to to the hundredth, and he goes, "I thought we weren't doing that anymore." I don't remember that. <laughs> that just popped in my head. I don't remember it's, that. But Josh I, Gad, I think, got mad at that. I do always laugh, uh, like, cause I, you know, I'm a gamer, as I've talked about on the show. Mm-hmm. I, I play a lot of video games. At this point, I've gotten to the point where whenever I see a video game rating that's like 7.2 or 7.4 or 7.38, mm-hmm. I'm like, bro, how'd you differentiate that from the other game that was just a, like a hundredth lower than that one or mm-hmm. a hundredth higher? No, stop that. <laughs> do half points. That's it. Oh, we can go half. Ten, nine and a half. Nine, eight and a half. Eight, okay. seven and a half. Okay. That's uh, that's what we want. All right. I'm good with that. I, I can live with the half point system. Fair. Yeah. Now, half point system for MMA, different conversation. We'll have that another <laughs> day. We'll have that another day. We can have it with Aaron uh, Bronstetter. He's a big fan of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but let's go on to our final UFC round here. Armin Petrosian. This was on the uh, main card. Got the win over Christian Leroy Duncan. Two 29-28s and a 30-27. We knew who was going to. Well, we didn't know, but. When you look at the cards later, it was predestined that Petrosia would win a decision unless he got finished or 10-8-ed. We have a close round three. Let's talk about round three. Yeah, on the feet early, it kind of feels like both guys are kind of just flowing, like just sparring. Not many forceful strikes being thrown, exchanging some leg kicks. It's kind of, it's pretty close until that spinning elbow and left hand from CLD that, you know, damages Petrosian's face. He's busted up and forces him into a takedown on top. Doesn't do much. Kind of feels like he's just trying to ride out the round, you know, get his wits back together a bit. Uh, even when he gets around to the back against the cage, he doesn't throw anything. I, I got it for uh, for Duncan here, 10-9. Outside of for Duncan, is there a good case for Petrosian here? I'm, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here. What do you think? Mm, I think there's a case just because outside of that strike, maybe you saw Petrosian doing something more mm-hmm. than, than I didn't. But Because uh, to me, it truly felt like they were just flowing and, and, and sparring. Yeah, I wouldn't put this round in the same conversation or in the same, uh, let's say, category as the first two rounds we talked about in the Cannoneer and the Bukowskis fights. But I, I think I think I feel pretty solid on my Duncan. Oh, I'm co- yeah, I feel, I'm, I'm I feel good here. It, yeah, I'm, you know? I'm just not going to discredit and say I, I don't see a way to get there. Yeah, for twenty weeks so. to give it to Petrosian, I don't think is crazy. It also he knows who his winner of this fight is anyway. He mm-hmm. he knows. No one else does, but he knows he gave the first two rounds to Petrosian. So mm-hmm. realistically, it doesn't matter. Yep. It still matters to get it right, you know, in some level. But he's not changing anything here. So I'm certainly not gonna crucify him on this one. And I don't even think it was mm-hmm. that crazy of a round anyway. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. I would say close but clear, I think. That's okay, how fair. that's how I'm gonna categorize fair. this round. I feel like we probably shouldn't add it to the list just because yeah, we have fine. a couple others that we're adding to the got, list from the show, some, right? Um, so yeah, I, I saw it. I saw it with you, and I saw it with, hey, look at those judges again. Clearly, Demano in step, at it again. Weekend. 
That's that's the the CD and the SD team. Be like or DC. I, I can just DC picture and SD. Jr. and you know on Jr. and King on Raw being like, Damato and Cleary at it again, causing ruckus in the back. By God, <laughs> he has been broken in half. Oh, different thing. Putting people through tables. <laughs> <laughs> now, so that was it for the UFC. We're not going to go into every Bellator and PFL round. We had way too much to talk about from this event and and beyond. So we've significantly slashed the rounds that we, we even would have thought about talking about. We can give you a quick overview of the ones that were on it without our scores, just, just for the hell of it. So we will at least lead with the three Bellator rounds we want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, starting with Sergio Pettis, who got a, a really impressive victory over Patricio Pitbull. Asserting himself as the 135 pound uh, mm-hmm. champion, who still has to beat the interim champion who won the you know Bellator World Bantamweight Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know the fact that he turned away a, a legend in Pip, Patricio Pitbull, I think, in the way he did 50 45 twice, any 49 46. I don't think a lot of people saw it going quite that way if they saw it going for Pettis. So really great job by him. And yet we're going to talk about round one because it was split. What do you got? <laughs> Super close round. Super technical round. A lot of leg kicks exchanged. Some checked on each side. Some good punches up top by both. I don't think that many got through from either side. Uh, Good defense on both sides. Uh, And described as a feeling out round, I think, accurately, too, by the commentators. Uh, Pipple's leg kicks, I think, were a tad bit more impactful for me. And it was really that right hand that he lands uh, towards the end of the round when he's countering a high kick from Pettis. That seemed to be, you know, make me feel confident in my score going for Pipple 10-9. Man, I also had it for Pitbull. And oh. I'm finding I'm finding out now because, you know, again, you didn't put your scores on our sheet. <laughs> so I got to learn this in real time here, which is fine. But could be more fun. It's not. Okay. Because <laughs> then we have to figure out what we're going to classify it as. Oh, and okay. hey, what does it mean when you and I see it the same way as the out judge here, who was uh, Chris Lee? Couchside overall. <laughs> got to get ready for those. I, I need prep work oh, for that. Okay. You know, that's, that's why I got to rep myself up and waste time by talking, right? It's a different uh, week. <laughs> It's a different week. It's a different week for a lot of reasons, right? Um, but to give you an idea of who gave the rounds to Pettis, it was Judge Ron McCarthy and Sal D'Amato. They had it his way all five rounds. But yeah, I, I think I think there's a strong case to be made for Pitbull here. Not not one that I wouldn't go either way. I think you can totally see it the mm-hmm. other way. But oh, yeah, yeah. I, I like my score here. I feel okay. Yeah, me too. You know, Not a controversial round in any way. And also not a controversial fight because, oh my God, just imagine if everybody blew up over this round in a 50-45. Yeah. Come Otherwise, on. like, come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. Get over it. Come on. That's right. Even even as <laughs> scoring nerds get it, right? Uh, Two more rounds we'll talk about. Corey Anderson got the win over Phil Davis. Split decision. 29-28 all around. Round two is our split round. And who could have foreseen a couple of, you know, traditional wrestlers going at each other being a fight like this, right? Honestly, this round sucked. <laughs> uh, Unless you were a wrestler. If you were a wrestler, I bet you had a great time. I think it's close and almost clear. Not quite. It's basically in slow motion, a ton of clinching. Would you say it's cleary? Oh, man. <laughs> it was on this fight. A lot of John Wayne punches happening from both sides. <laughs> uh, if You don't know what I mean. If you've ever seen a I John, it, I mean, it takes him 10 minutes to throw a punch. It sure does. Cocks uh, back, waits, throws it. <laughs> I think Anderson was better. Simple as that. 10-9. This round was horrible. <laughs> kind of a crummy round. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's super clear, to be honest. I, I think it's perfectly fine to go either way. Um, the problem is I just don't think they're doing a whole lot of scorable 
effective offensive actions. I think there's a lot of jockeying for positions that don't really slipping off each other. Yeah. There's a lot of that too. Um, you know, you know, knees to the body here and there and things. I I felt like Anderson probably just took it, but, but by a slim margin, I didn't even think it was that bad. So yeah, I saw it that way. Just like you, Chris Lee saw it that way. Derek Lee saw, uh, Derek Cleary saw it that way. Derek Lee was a, uh, player for the Marlins when we won the he World was. Series. Yeah. Switch Big. hitter, right? Uh well, I think he was. I'm yeah. Not, he was, I think he tall guy. I don't know. He was they're, tall. He was like they're six, all taller than six, us. Six three, six four. Yeah, neither Pretty us tall is tall for baseball. So. Yeah, it's true. Well, first baseman. Like Aaron Judge. Right. He's six seven. Derek Lee was first baseman. Derek Lee was the first baseman. Yeah. That's right. We're talking about Derek Cleary though and Chris yeah. Lee. They're they're two different people. It was Scott Jones, uh who spells his name wrong, by the way. He spells it with two T's. The nerve of this guy. Two T's is the right one. Oh, excuse me, one T. Oh, he spells it one. You got T. it with two here. Yeah, I, I have two T's because that's the just right habit, one. right? Just if you're a Scot with one <laughs> T, that means you're just from Scotland. But that's not his fault. That's probably his parents' fault. So I blame I blame the Jones family. Is Scott Turf Builder one T or two T's? Two. Oh, okay. It's always two. Okay, it's the right way. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, I don't I don't think Scott jo- Scott Jones card for Davis in this round was so bad. So I just don't care enough. Fair enough. Like, there's, there's, you can feel that way, but we is, do have to give this this due yeah, diligence. We did it, due, due diligence. Yeah, did. it was a terrible did. round. It was. A terrible. <laughs> let's let's go to a different round here, which Mike Hamill got the win over Shamil Nikayev by majority decision, two twenty nine twenty eights and a twenty eight twenty eight because round one is our only eight nine split out of seventy four rounds all weekend. That's wild. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, what uh, what's going on here? Yeah, strong round. It just to me, it, this is closer to an eight and a half. Uh, a reminder that the ABC really needs to widen the ten eight threshold, and then use the ten seven, please. Yeah, uh, but this it's there just just give it a better definition. But yeah, just tighten it. Let's not tighten this. Let's widen this. Yeah, widen it. Widen it. Like, uh, but in this round, Nakayev wobbles uh, Hamill multiple times with punches, big shots. But Hamill keeps fighting back, and a fair amount of the round, I thought, was decently competitive when he wasn't getting punched in the face. Uh, I think it's a case where we have solid damage and pretty good dominance. I just think I need a tad bit more to get the 8 as it's written, but uh, totally justifiable and a fine score. But in this sense, I have to go 9. Yeah, I went the 9, too. I think 8.5 is a really good way to describe this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's not quite there. It's that CSJ 8 that I like to, mm-hmm. to reference. Yeah, not not quite there for me, but totally defensible. Mm-hmm. You know, once, once you have damage... In the mix, it actually starts to get pretty easy to start saying, yeah. okay. And also, like, realistically, like, for a long part of this round, that was kind of like the big high spot, and it really wasn't a whole lot. And then, kind of mm-hmm. near the end, you see Nakayev is able to kind of get another one in there. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't hurt Hamel to the same degree, but he, he definitely checks and reminds you, it's like, hey, I'm still, this is my round still. Yeah, you a, know? A pretty strong punch from distance. Yeah. <laughs> punch from distance. Yeah. Strike from distance, excuse me. Um, to be fair, Bellator, they just count total strikes. Yeah. They make it easy. They don't, yeah. they don't, they don't make it convoluted. Uh, how much that matters is a different story. But yeah, so I, I had it as the, the nine here. Chris Lee had the nine. Scott Jones had the nine and just one T. And it was Ron McCarthy who gave the eight here. But again, that's defensible. I, I had no problem mm-hmm. with that. I can yeah, see it that yeah. way. Um, Just didn't go that way. I want this to be an eight. I will. I so, want this to be an eight. I want a bunch yeah, of things to be an eight, so. and then I want a lot of things to be a seven. Uh, which we're, <laughs> we actually have some ten seven watch. We're gonna get into. Yes. I'm just gonna name check real quick a couple of rounds and round scores that were split, just so we have them on there for the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last Bellator round was Cody Law getting the win, unanimous thirty twenty seven twenty nine twenty eight. Two of those thirty twenty sevens over Edwin Chavez. That was the opening fight of this marathon card. Round three was the only split here. Um. And it was Judges Saldamato and Derek Cleary. Hey, the super team yep. on the same page uh, with Cody Law. 
it was Chavez got the round from Brandon Mason, who, if I'm not mistaken, was also on that call. I think I think he spoke up at one point. That was interesting. Okay. Uh, I was like, hey, I know that name. Uh, over at PFL, there were only two <clears> fights <throat> that had four rounds. It was one of those days. It, you know, sometimes you get those in Georgia, right? Uh, Isaiah Pinson, heavyweight fight, got the win over Denzel Freeman in a split decision. An alternative decision, mm. which we almost talked about, but then we watched and we said, you know what? This isn't fun. And we didn't want to talk about it wasn't fun. It just sucked. So we we kind of skipped it. But it was 29-28s all around. Rounds two and three. Freeman was the majority winner in each case, but he lost the decision. Judges Nate Mann and Joe Mergliano saw round two for him. Nate Mann. Yeah, Nate Mann. Favorite superhero. (laughs) Well, Batman's still number one. He's close. Judging superhero. Uh, Well, you know, the Ninja Turtles are also ahead. So he's probably like three. But anyway, (laughs) uh, Monica Ridgeway was the out judge saw this for Pinson. To be honest, I actually did watch this round and I did score it. I actually did score it for Pinson. So okay. that, that for whatever that's worth. Round three, Nate Mann once again saw it for uh Freeman. So did Ridgeway in this case. Marigliano saw it for Pinson. Hmm. Um I'd scored this one for Freeman. So I only have two rounds for Pinson, one for Freeman. Whatever. This fight sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then <laughs> and another fight that I didn't, actually didn't really watch this one, to be honest. So I, I don't have any opinions, but I can tell you Maria Maknakna got the 29-28 twice and 30-27 over Evelyn Martins. But we were split on round two and three. It's one of those where it's like, man, should be unanimous, should be easy, but it's only just one round. It's two. Maknakna got Will Fisher and Monica Ridgeway to see it her way in round two. And it was Joe Marigliano saw for Martins in that round. Third round, it was Mergliano and Ridgeway for Makanakina, and then Fisher saw this one as the outjudge for Martins. Mm-hmm. You awake? I'm awake. Oh, good, good, I'm good. Awake. I'm glad. I hope, I I hope just, listeners are too. You can I, fast forward if you don't like that stuff. That's I was just thinking how it's like when you, you hear unanimous 29-28s, and then you, you see the scorecard, and you got two rounds, and you're like, oh, oh come on. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Uh, let's go to the 10-7 watch, because again, we actually have two unanimous 10-8s to talk yeah, about. The first one, we already referenced in Cannoneer and Vittori. Great job by the judges, Sal D'Amato, Mike Bell, and Ben Cartledge to see this surefire 10-8. Was it a 10-7? It's close. You think so? I think it's close. Really? Uh, doesn't get there, but I do think it's close. Uh, as Vittori is hurt a bunch of times, I'm like, yeah, he's no way he's making out of this round. Uh, very close to being stopped a couple times, but you know, Vittori started answering, landed some pretty good shots towards the end of the round. I think it's uh, a strong 8. I would say a strong 8. I, a, a solid eight, like like this is a good eight. I don't know, man. I I didn't toy with the seven in the same way, even when I thought I about it. I didn't toy with it. No, I'm I just get saying it. I get you're getting saying. close there. I don't know. I don't know so. how close it was. I feel like it was just like in that solid eight territory. It's kind of battering them a lot. I know. I know. It doesn't matter. They would. They would. Yeah. No one pulls the trigger anyway because the definition is is too far out of reach mm-hmm. it's like it's like when i put things on the top shelf for my kids like because i don't want them to get it you know it's like that's what the 10 7 definition is it's like it's up there <laughs> so you can see it we have it there but you're not meant to get it oh, yeah, it's not yeah. supposed to be there for you <laughs> would, it's there for for me to say hey we have it and that's it all right would would you want this round to be a seven yeah if you could yeah okay because i because i would stretch the definitions like we do for for csj okay. gotcha okay. and and a solid eight becomes a seven right okay whereas a, a ten eight and a half would mm-hmm. actually be a ten eight right okay that's that's what we do in csj that's what i would like to see i think we have a good solution in terms of that you want to work on the wording of it fine mm-hmm. that's fine that's that's the officials can do that but i think you need to make it so that sevens are given out like five percent of the time three to five whatever they want to do and then you know we have this new 10-8 score, a 10-8.5 that's, you know, 
I think somewhere in the 10% range. It should be, we should find a definition that can kind of encompass rounds such as that. Okay. Fair. I don't think they need to be pervasive. I don't think we need 10 eights all the time, but I think it needs to be much more achievable and the seven should be achievable in some way. Well, it should, I think it should be a bigger percentage than that 5% they outlined. Oh yeah. Well, it's not anyway. It's still more so, like a three or two. Like, it's it's still like that. I mean, I, we'll talk about the date at the end of the year, like yeah. we always do. But man, I'm telling you, it's not it's not there. It's not what yeah. they it's not what they're talking. Maybe a judge will give it almost five percent of the time, but there that's not the majority score. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the problem. But that one more round, actually, I'm sorry, one more ten seven watch round. Pat Sabatini got the win over Lucas Almeida. Round two submission by an arm triangle choke. But before that, round one. It was a really strong round, and the uh, judges here, Adelaide Bird, Ben Cartledge, and Sal D'Amato, all scored a 10-8. Is this a 10-7? I don't think so. Um, much of the round is Sabatini working to get to a, a dominant position on the ground. He finally gets there in like the final minute, and when he does get there, he puts a beating on Lo- Lucas Almeida. Heavy elbows. I, if he, he probably gets a finish if he doesn't stop throwing them. Like at some point he started working for a choke instead of just keep throwing the elbows. Never look for the choke. Just 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 hit. Just smash and smash. The scoring doesn't reward it anyway. This was very high Not damage. To the same degree. Thing is, I I think you can get the overwhelming. I think you can get overwhelming damage. The only thing is, I don't think you have overwhelming duration or dominance. But I do think you have the other th- two strongly. Just not overwhelming. It's tricky. That's what right? I'm saying. It's tricky. I, so, I don't know. I, I think I still lean no. You know, but I I get I do kind of get what you're saying. So yeah, but you're this, still saying this, no. Too. Oh, this is a yeah. no for me. Yeah, no. He needed he needed more. Um, if he did this for for three minutes, now we're probably it, it's like well, then you're worried about Lucas Almeida. Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> this is much like CB Dalloway. Like that round wasn't a total beatdown for five minutes. No, but he was almost dead at the end of it. Yeah, that, so, I believe if I recall when we talked about that round from the 10-7 show, because that mm-hmm. was one that got a 10-7 from Judge Ben Cartlidge, who, mm-hmm. again, on this round here, um, that one was, I mean, it was almost like a nine, really, until like the last little bit where right. you could tell just how dead C.P. Talloway was. Like... And we rationaled it as it it's not getting that overwhelming dominance iteration, right? Because overwhelming mm-hmm. is such a high bar. Yeah. But if I remember the way I phrased it, I thought it was the highest damage that we had in any round we talked about. Mm-hmm. It was crazy damage. So if you just so. want to, and I, I'm okay with them ever just saying, okay, overwhelming damage. That's enough. Mm-hmm. That gets you the seven. Just overwhelming damage. I'm with you. I think that'd be okay. I don't have a problem with that. I'm sure somebody would, but you know, I, I think I think we need to start accepting that maybe we haven't figured it out yet. We can kind of keep keep uh, tinkering with the wording. Yeah. So I'd like to see that. But anyway, that was it. Whew. This is a lot, man. <laughs> We're, we still got to sew some, sew some things up here, like our favorite finishes. There were five at UFC, five at Bellator, seven for PFL, uh, a cumulative 13 TKOs, four subs, and tw- uh, 13 first-round finishes. Crazy weekend. Out of all of those, what was your favorite? Pat Sabatini's grappling clinic over Lucas Sameda, like we Not just touched on. Not surprising. Way to end it with a nice arm triangle. Mm-hmm. But you? You know that Manuel Torres elbow? <laughs> yes. That was that was one of the nastiest elbows of the year. And we've that, had a few. That's gotta be up there. Shout out to Caposa year. who's who's kinda who put together, I think, a little uh, or at least shared a uh, a little 
clip of some of the best, and this man. definitely should qualify. Lorenz Larkin had to be on that one too. Yes, it was. was. He was that definitely was a strong on there. One. Uh, but man, Manuel Torres just destroying Nicholas Moda uh, with an elbow under two minutes into the fight. It didn't go very long, and oof, it left a it left a mark. <laughs> that was that was one of the ones I was like, oh, like jaw dropping. Yeah, when I watched, yeah, it I was, was. Like, wow. Those those man, I would pick a lot more subs. I leave a lot mm-hmm. of them to you, but man, a finish like this, like this, you oh, can't, you can't it, do yeah. a whole lot to beat this. Yeah, I, I bet you you would have picked it if you could. Probably. Yeah, it was good. Probably. Those I mean, the Pat Sab- the, I mean, the Sabatini. It, the, it was just such an easy sub. Like yeah. the levels between these two in grappling was was crazy. Absolutely. So. But that is it. Finally, we're past this this whole long godforsaken weekend. Let's look ahead to another long godforsaken weekend. <laughs> Busy, but it ends early. I'm, and actually, I, I don't even know if I had mentioned this to you, sir. I'm probably breaking some news to you. I'm at a wedding this weekend. Oh, yeah. I did not so know. I don't I know how much know. of this I'm going to be watching. We'll see. We'll have to figure yeah. out how much I'm actually going to watch, it's especially eight. because we have an afternoon UFC card. Hey, so. judges, it's time for that perfect card. <laughs> yeah, do me a, do me a solid, uh, guys <laughs> and gals. Let's just everyone get on the same page. And, and, or, how about even better? All the fighters finished round one. Okay. That and then be... we could just, you know what we'll do if that ever happened? <coughs> excuse me. If that ever happened, we're going to rank all the finishes. That's all we're going to talk about. Okay. Fair. All, all we're talking about is finishes. Fair. But there will probably be some sort of weird wacky officiating thing too so we can throw in like if every fight ends <coughs> if every fight ends in the first round are the judges like you know what whoever's doing the main event they just hands behind their head kick their feet up on on the catwalk and are just like it's gonna end I'm just gonna enjoy this i feel like that wouldn't fly it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a great visual though everyone's all <laughs> for some <laughs> the trolls would love it oh yeah they would love the hell out of that um but like i said we do have two events Friday night, we got PFL. There's no Bellator. Last leg of PFL regular season. Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time, main card starts in Georgia once again. So get used to those same judges like uh, Nate Mann. Nate Mann's probably in action. Joe Marigliano, Will Fisher, Monica Ridgeway. There was another judge the other that worked the last one, and I, I, the name escapes me. Might Blake be Rice was, was the official, was a referee. Yes, Blake Rice so, was on there. That's right. I who, who that. again, was the, the, the head trainer that ABC mm-hmm. course we yes. mentioned. He was on the call, too, by the way. Um, but PFL, they're finishing up with the welterweights and the lightweights. Do you like these divisions? I I think the lightweight's actually the most interesting of the divisions, to be honest, in PFL. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of everything except heavy. And women's heavyweight. featherweight? Heavyweight. Well, yeah, women's featherweight. It's okay, whatever. It's okay. All but right. I, uh, Olivier Aubameyang Marcier is in the headliner against uh, Anthony Romero, lightweight. I like I like Olivier Aubameyang Marcier. Like OAM. The yes. Canadian gangster, I believe. Is yes. that what his name is? He? OAM. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the other guy is. Anthony Romero? Yeah. That's his name. I don't know who that is. He's Anthony Romero. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then Sadabusi is is the I guess the top build welterweight in the co-main against Shane Mitchell. Um, I don't know what the matchmaking sense is behind these things. Maybe there will be upsets. Sometimes they happen. We had actually an upset a couple weeks ago with the the featherweights, but this these fights on paper, having not looked deep into it, seem designed to put OAM and C through to the playoffs. Do you think that for sure? No, because no. And I don't I don't know how PFL comes up with it. I'm not trying to make accusations either. Right. But here's my thinking. Uh, what do you got? Uh, nothing. He got, got nothing. I mean, he got to finish in his last fight. So oh, uh, see. See. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, he's kind of a decision machine. Outside he often of that. is. Correct. So, but he did get that two. Yeah. He got the five. OK. But that might but, be enough. Yeah, it might be enough. So I was going to get to I, I didn't know he had to finish in his, in his previous fight. Surprisingly. So was, yes. <laughs> I was going to say six is no longer a guarantee. 
It's not. The, the so, lid has been lifted on that, but it does. It also requires an exceptional amount of finishes to happen. So mm, that's okay. kind of where we're at. I didn't even bother looking at the PFL standings, so I'm not really sure how many sixes or fives. We'll find out on Friday. They'll tell us. No, no, no. I mean, I mean the one from the other day. <laughs> oh, uh, it was oh, it oh. was too busy with Bellator and everything. Like I said, my ADD was out of control. Yeah. It was nuts. Uh, <laughs> I'm just glad I made it out. And then over in Jacksonville, where the UFC is Saturday. Matt Nacard, 3 p.m. Eastern Time Main, starts. Josh Emmett and Ilya Topuria at 145 pounds. Do you like this fight? Yeah, on ABC. Yep. I love it that it starts at 3. They really love to put Josh Emmett on, on uh, yeah. especially like ABC cards. I feel like he's on them a lot. I don't know what it is about. Nothing nothing against him. I, I have no yeah, problem with it. It's two. just, I feel like it's noticed it happen a lot. I'd like more ABC cards. Like, every weekend was on ABC. In the middle of the afternoon? Middle of the afternoon. Yeah, that'd be good. Saturday Except not when I have to go to a wedding at, like, 4. Yeah. That would be ideal. This is a good fight. This is this is a fun fight. I like this fight. Big step I think up Tapuria's, for Tapuria. is a monster, but he, he, he can be hittable. So I'm curious uh, what happens when Emmett touches him. Yeah. So we'll see. Very fun fight. I, I like to see that. And also how Emmett responds uh, from losing that t- interim title fight, too. Yeah. That's he seems, How does he bounce back? Seems seems ready. But I mean. Ready that, for what? That could just be. The mar- fight? It could just be marketing. That could be. When you watch these uh, hype you, shows. You are a sucker. I'm the biggest <laughs> sucker. <laughs> That, you know what? Honestly, that would probably get me so excited about every card if I watch like all the embeddeds and all the all the behind the stuff seen the week before the card. Like I'd be so invested. I, in I it, get a lot so. of people will come, will talk to me and be like, "Oh my god, did you like friends who watch the the sport? They'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, did you watch the embedded?'" I'm like, "Man, no. Tell me, tell me <laughs> if there's something I should watch. But like otherwise, I don't have the time to watch every bit of these. Those yeah. are those are for the people that are trying to get hyped up. Like I'm gonna watch it anyway. Yeah, you, you don't need me. It's like it's like the way, I, the way I'm at now with movie trailers. Oh, I okay. used to get hyped about movie trailers. I was like, "Oh man, show me the next you know Dark Knight trailer. Inject right. that directly into the veins." Right. Okay. Now I'm like, I know I'm going. I don't want you to show me half the movie. Like, uh, just leave me alone. I'll go to mm-hmm. the movie. Don't even just tell what, me the date and I'll be there. What about a surprise teaser? Like what? Like like say like you don't like there's no mention of like the, a new Batman movie coming out and then oh and it's movie, like all of a sudden bam, there's a new Batman movie coming like, no that's cool yeah because okay. then because you've broken some news to yeah. me that's kind of like a big fight happening they announce a big fight it's 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 yeah. kind of like no it's even better it's kind of like all of a sudden on that card it's like hey I know you guys didn't think you were getting a main event where Brock Lesnar comes back and fights <laughs> uh, I, I don't know <laughs> it's like yeah you're getting one tonight surprise <laughs> surprise Brock Lesnar. <laughs> main event <laughs> uh, that'd be great that's never gonna happen uh, that would be great this, it's florida this is a florida car they usually tend to bring in some some of the good judges and even mm-hmm. the florida judges the local ones are, chris lee's local I, so we'll, well see, yeah but we I'm, I'm thinking him. of the ones who don't travel typically yeah. you know like like the troy winkapaz and 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 the like and barry they, luxembourg barry luxembourg all these people they they end up doing a pretty solid job yeah. re- reasonably i think with the cards i think i think florida has has done a decent job of producing some officials who I guess get enough work and, and are in tune enough with criteria. So that's that's good too. I, I've I have good hopes. I have high hopes for the the Florida judging. Mm-hmm. I think we'll be okay this weekend, but you never know. Uh other fights of course on the card I, there's a few I like to be honest. Uh, Amanda Hibas and Macy Barber, mm-hmm. under twenty five. I'm interested in Amanda Hibas. I really didn't think she was gonna catch on at one twenty five. She totally has. I think she's really thriving here. So Yeah. She, she could find herself in the mix for a title shot mm-hmm. more sooner than later. You never know. Never know. Um, I don't know if she gets especially since the division got you know got such flipped on its head. So. But Macy Barber's starting to find her groove too. She's she's 
come on a lot better than I think mm-hmm. she used to be. Not a lot of people love all the decisions she gets. Mm-hmm. I think I can see them, but I can also see why maybe some people don't love them. It is what it is. I like Brendan Allen. He's back in action, coming off that win over Andre Muniz, going against Bruno Silva. That's not t- that's not easy. No, I like this fight. I like uh, Tabata Ricci and Jillian Anderson, particularly because Anderson is a submission machine. And down at one fifteen now, she won her, her strawweight debut in the UFC. And man, if she, if she gets going here, I think she could find herself in the mix for a title shot like before long. I think she's yeah. got she's got enough wins under her belt that like it wouldn't take her as long as some other uh, okay. women to get there. So I'd be curious to see how this goes. But Ricci's tough, the baby shark. I like to see this fight. And then the opener of the card, I believe, is Tatsuro Tyra, who I'm a big fan of at, at flyweight, going against Clayton or Rodriguez. Okay. You like those? Yeah. I'm done. Is that the opener? Yeah. He's... You missed anything? Uh, is there anything I didn't note that uh, you're looking um, forward to? Or? We got Neil Magny on, on the card. Neil Magny's on so, the card. Who's he going against? It's not Phil Rowe. Is, uh, is, is Phil a, a late replacement? Because, I mean, no, no, no offense to Phil Rowe, but I'm surprised he's getting the name no, it doesn't of Neil look like Magny. It. doesn't look like a replacement that's, that's fight. A, that's a surprising matchup. I'm not saying he couldn't win either. I just, we did it seemed Robo like they were Cop. far enough apart from what they've done that they wouldn't be fighting. So mm-hmm. it is what yeah. it is. We, we lost RoboCop, who's actually a very exciting middleweight in a division that needs excitement. Yes, we did. So. We're, actually, there's going to be a RoboCop uh, video game later this year. Oh. It's not about him, though. Not about the fighter. It's a video game. Okay. About like the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then this this fight has been moving a few outlines, it it, it seems. Oh, well, well yeah. it's it's always involving one of these principal players here, though. Zhaga Zumagulov is mm-hmm. now scheduled to face Joshua Van. We've been saying this the last few times, that he's been on a card, and he has not fought either time. But, man, whenever he does get in that cage... It's going the distance, and we're going to talk about it on contested rounds. I know it. It's it's going to happen. But maybe not this week. Who knows? Maybe it'll have to push again. We'll see. I mean. I hope they're paying him at this point for this stuff. Jeez. Josh Josh Van is making his UFC debut, so we shall see. I don't know anything about Josh Van. I, I he don't... has zero decisions. Okay. But that's also not at the. Uh, the UFC level is always much different. Fury FC looks like he's a fighter for. I don't, I don't know what they really are. Fury? Fury FC. Fury, yeah. They're based in Texas. Okay, so yeah. he's he's never been to a decision. Well, he he knows if he goes the distance in Texas, like oh, all bets are off. He learned quickly. Okay, kill or be killed. Could be a could be a great <laughs> fight. He's got a calf slicer on his resume. Hey, that's painful. It, it is. <laughs> I don't like those. All right, that does it for this episode. We'll be back on our regular schedule next week on Monday to discuss this busy weekend. Thanks to everybody for sticking it out on this card and. Uh, this event, or this this episode, I should say. It's interesting. It was a long episode, though. I mean, we don't normally do it this long. What are we at? Five hours now? Seven? Oh, a ton of, yeah, a ton of hours. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Take care.